Welcome to the Brandon Bloom Podcast, the place to be to learn how to grow your business's visibility online organically. I'm your host, Liz Fleming. Let's dive right into this new episode. Welcome, Brandon Bloom listeners, back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here. We are now into the new year, well into the new year, and I have an amazing guest to help us kick off this new season of our lives. It is Krista Miller of Summit in a Box. She helps entrepreneurs three times their monthly revenue through virtual summits without wondering where to start or what to do next. Her method is focused on strong connections, collaboration, and making a difference in the lives of everyone involved. Krista, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm super pumped to nerd out with about with you about summits. It's going to be yes. That's fun. Yes, girl. It's going to be so fun. Now, right off the bat, I'm just going to ask you, what the heck is a virtual summit for those of the, you know, the listeners who may not know, you know, this is still very new territory for me too. I've spoken at a couple, but give us the rundown. What do we need to know? Yeah. So if you're like totally new, you have no idea what it even is. First think of like an in-person conference you might've heard of, or even been to where, you know, you go to this venue, there's someone that put the event together and every day there are speakers that have come in. They're all kind of usually around a certain theme. Um, and they're teaching you something in half hour, hour long session, usually when it's an in-person event and you walk away being one step closer to be able to change something about your life or business. And a virtual summit is pretty much that except online. So there's someone who who is there hosting the event. Usually the event or the event should be focused for a specific audience to solve a certain pain point they have. So then every presentation is about something very specific relating to that topic. So you invite industry experts, usually um, for the kinds of results I will, I'll be talking about today, I recommend about 15 to 30 speakers. Um, and it's usually a three to five day event. Um, but yeah, lots of fun. Usually these are free for the attendee to sign up for, and then you make your money on the back end by selling right. an all access pass, which is like ongoing access to presentations with a bundle of other fun resources. And then you can sell your thing on the back end, whether that's yes. a f- physical product, service, digital product, all of it comes awesome. together. So in a nutshell, it's literally a digital conference. It's yes. like the next best thing, you know, given all that's going on in our world right now, meeting in person is very hard. And I sensed last year that these virtual summits were really starting to, you know, catch on like wildfire. When I was speaking at more of them, I started learning about them and they're just so fun and so convenient for people. And it's just a really unique way to reach your audience, which I love, you know, places like social and email get really saturated. So to have something else like this is incredible. And you are, you know, you have these amazing systems that you teach. I've watched your masterclass. I've bought a couple of your products and it's so mind blowing that you could take something so overwhelming and condense it and just share the things that people need to know. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. You're brilliant. So how did you get into all of this in the first place? Did you kind of try hosting one yourself and see results, see failure? Like what spurred this journey for you? Yeah. So this was a total accident. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, two, three years ago, 
I would have told you that I hated summits. I was like, mm. I hope these don't become a thing. These are gross. There's too many of them. And now here we are. So yeah, I ended up in 2017 deciding that I was going to host a summit for my service-based business. And it was something that I'd been thinking about, but I kept putting it off because of like, oh, these are gross. There's so many of them. I have less than 500 people on my email list. I can't host a summit. No one's going to want to speak like all these things. And there was one day in the car where I had this realization, like I can do this my way. It doesn't have to be gross. I can do it for my audience. And my audience for that business is designers specifically. I had never seen a summit for designers. Now there's lots of them, Mm -hmm. Um, but there wasn't at the time. So I decided to do it my way. And my goal was to kind of visibility was my main goal. Like there, I was in these Facebook groups with all these really cool people and they were all friends. And I was like, I'm going to be friends with these people. So, <laughs> you know, maybe this will get me some connections. I was thinking, you know, if I make two, $3,000, that would be, that would be great. That's all I need. Um, email list. I didn't really have any specific goals around that. I was hoping to have maybe 500 people signed up mm-hmm. by the end of it. I had made $16,000 had tripled the size of my email list, had booked out my services for six months in advance. And I was like, what just happened? Like <laughs> amazing than I ever expected. You know, at the time I was making three, four thousand dollars a month. So to bring in 16K through one thing, I was like, what is this magic? <laughs> um, and I was just gonna let it be. I was gonna host another summit six months later and just make it a part of my business. But all of a sudden, all of these speakers and attendees were emailing me, messaging me how did you do that? Can you show me how to do that? I was like, no, that was a lot of work. I'm not going to show you how to do that. (laughs) But eventually, clearly they wore me down. So about six months later, I I started Summit in a Box with, uh, all I had was my Asana template that I had used to plan my Summit. I made it a little prettier. I was like, here, if you guys want this, take it. And they did. So I was like, oh, I guess people need help with that. And here we are. (laughs) I love that. That's kind of what's happening for me, you know, on a side note with this podcast, I was like putting off starting one for so long. Cause I was like, Oh, say the word podcast one more time, bro. I'm freak out. <laughs> and then I realized like how fun it is. And I can do stuff like this. And now people are doing the same thing. It's like, Liz, how do I do this? Like make the thing. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. And now it's like, it's the same scenario. It's yeah. so funny how that works out. I love um, that. Yes. So what was like the time frame from when you hosted your summit to, I guess now, was that like, what year did you host that summit? Was that last year or a couple of years? I can't remember what you said. Yeah. The first one happened in April, 2018. Gosh. And I've hosted four more since then. So I've hosted, hosted five now, um, usually spaced six months to a year apart, just kind of depending. That's unbelievable. And are they all like the same, um, topics? I know the first one was design, but now mm-hmm. you probably focus more on doing summits and Yeah, I've hosted my designer summit four times, planning the fifth one right now. And then I've hosted one about summit specifically. Okay, awesome. That's incredible. I'm so excited for you. I love hearing this because like, it's so inspirational to see people see such success from like trial and error in their own right. And then them being willing to teach it to others. And like, this was since April, 2018, Krista, like that is so unbelievable. (laughs) And like organic, was it mostly organic that you got the word out about this thing? Or like, was it kind of a mixture of that and ads and, you know. About Summit in a Box or about the first Summit? I think about the first one. Yeah, Yeah. I saw so much success. Yeah, it was mostly, 
I guess my existing audience. So it was some organic. I ran like 50 bucks in ads. So no ads because I didn't know what I was doing. And then speakers were, you know, another big part. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're part of the whole promotional process. So do you want to kind of run us through that? Like what you need? I I guess we'll talk about before you can host a summit. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot that you probably need to have nailed down. I know one of the biggest topics that you shared in your, your masterclass was your niche. And that's something a lot of people struggle with. So do you want to kind of talk us through what we even need to know before we get super pumped about this and host one ourselves? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing I would want to point out to your listeners is if you're selling something right now successfully, whether that means you have a tiny email list and you make a sale here and there, or you have consistent sales coming in with a bigger audience, you have what you need to host a summit. Um, Really what you need is the ability to talk to your and to know how to do that. So that is the biggest thing. What you don't need is a huge email list. You don't need a ton of connections, although they're definitely helpful. You don't need to be a huge influencer. So Mm -hmm. take a sigh of relief. You don't need all of these things. Um, but yeah, the first thing you need to figure out is who your event is going to be for and what it's about. And there are so many people out there who are targeting audiences for their main business, like online business owners, creative entrepreneurs, moms, women, while that's great for your business, if it's working for you, that's not going to work for a summit. If you have a smaller audience to start with, and that's where we need to narrow in and get really specific. So for summit in a box, I kind of target all online entrepreneurs. That's my audience. Mm-hmm. You're never going to see me host a summit for all online entrepreneurs. Instead, the summit I hosted about summits was for course creators. So what I did was I broke my audience down, like who's the categories of people I'm seeing in my audience, which one seems to respond best to what I teach. And that's who I hosted that event for. So that's what I would urge anyone thinking of hosting their first summit to do as well. It's really tempting to feel yeah. like it's safer to just do it for your whole audience. You're like, I don't want to exclude anyone. Like, you know, who am I? Like, I feel weird just focusing on this specific group, totally. but that's how you're going to see success. And I've seen huge business owners do summits for like online business owners, basically. And it doesn't work. I have hosted bigger summits than those people because getting specific is so important. And then you can host an event that's actually worth something to them because when you have a specific audience, you can host a summit to solve a pain point they have and more than grow your business, you know, have a happier life. You can get so much more specific and host an event that really matters to these people. That's really reassuring. It's so hard to niche down, like because of exactly what you just said. It's like, oh, I'm only going to serve this little piece. But I think my whole audience is like all these other areas, you know, like I felt that so much when I first started my business. I was like, I know I want to work with female solopreneurs. Like that is my, that's my woosah. That's my zone. And the more that I started growing in my business, I realized that I was attracting more female product makers. So in my head, I'm like, this would be probably who my summit niche is. Like, this is where they are. That's what I love to talk about. And when you compare product makers to service providers, it's so different. So I love, I love that you mentioned that. And there's ways that you can find a niche within a niche, like how you said you were doing course creators and not just online business owners. And I love that. It's so healthy to think about your business in that way. And it just makes me feel good. I don't know about you guys, but (laughs) I'm like niche down sweet. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So what are the most important pieces then to a virtual summit that actually works? If you were to break it down. 
Yeah. So there are four pieces that I always cover. And these are things, these aren't things that I just like whipped out of nowhere. In each one of the summits I hosted, I like discovered something new that didn't work and, or something <laughs> that did work. Yeah. And like, I have a graph that uh, I, I made it of the results from each of my summits. And I can see where each of these pieces came from. Actually, already talked about two of them. So we'll save a little time there. It's your audience and your topic. If you don't get specific on the audience, and if your summit isn't about solving a real problem these people have, it's not going to work or, you know, reaching a real desire that they have for some audience, maybe like even for a certain uh, physical product people, you're, it might not be that there is this life or death problem they need solved. It might be that they want to feel more confident in, in the way their home looks and you offer, you know, products that make their home beautiful, stuff like that. But you need to have that really specific transformation you're helping them with. So those are the first two things. And that's kind of where the next two pieces come into play. So the third key to a summit that actually is going to work for you is having the right speakers. And this is something that took me four summits to figure out. <laughs> this is the only thing I changed between my third summit and my fourth summit. My third summit brought in $22,000. My fourth summit brought in $60,000. And it was the speakers that were different because I figured wow. this out. So it's really tempting when you are going to pitch speakers to pitch the first people that come to mind people that you have connections with and feel really comfortable pitching, but that's not the way to go. Instead, what you need to do is find speakers who have the same audience that you're trying to reach with your summit. Mm. So for my first three summits for the, for the brand and web designers that I hosted, I had a lot of speakers who target creative business owners because like there's designers in the creative business owner audience that will work. Uh, and then when I was doing affiliate payouts for that third time, I was like, why am I paying this person $4,000 and this person 200? Like, what is the difference here? Mm -hmm. So I sorted my spreadsheet by affiliate payout and the people that had $1,000 plus all specifically targeted designers. And I was like, oh, <gasps> like, ding, that ding. makes sense. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So then the next summit, it was almost all, I would say 90% people who targeted designers specifically. And that's the important part. And this could be another piece that's tricky, specifically for product-based business owners, because it's like, mm -hmm. well, not everyone I want to reach out to has the, has an audience or is trying to build an audience. And I, but I just want them to talk about their thing, you know, cause they're geniuses with that thing. And that's where you need to find some balance. If you can have maybe 70% of your speakers who are building that audience and then fill in the rest with mm -hmm. people who, who aren't necessarily, they won't bring the people, but they will add so much to your summit. That's okay. But you're going to see the best results when you're bringing in speakers who have the same audience as your summit. So that's the third key. And then the fourth one is a good offer. So, and when I'm actually talking about the offer here, I am not yet talking about what you're going to sell after your summit, whether it's a service, <laughs> physical product, digital product, I'm talking about the all access pass. So you'll see a lot of summits out there where people, you know, you sign up for the summit and then they're trying to sell you this all access pass. And it's like for $19. It's like, no, I, I don't care. You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that kind of offer usually converts around three to 5%. That's industry standard for summits. Instead, myself and my students see between 10 and 20% conversion rates because of this offer. So instead, of course, you want to include ongoing access to presentations, whether that's lifetime in air quotes, or a year, whatever that looks like for you, include that. But bonuses are where these sales come from. So I like to include things like notes or worksheets for the presentations. You can include things like some live sessions, like 
panels, networking sessions, co-working sessions where people can cover and actually get work done. And then the secret sauce is speaker bonuses. So mm-hmm. have your speakers throw in extra products, things, worksheets they have that, um, that relate to your audience. So for example, for my designer summit, I have people, they'll contribute like design templates, proposal templates, uh, you know, a social, a month in their social media membership, things like that. And that comes together to create this incredible bundle that people actually care about. And that will look different depending on who your audience is and what they want from you. But collecting things from your speakers to include is so powerful because you can make a more valuable offer And that's an opportunity for your speakers to grow their email lists and benefit more as well. Because let's say someone does include a template. Cool. Now someone buys the all access pass. They go to the speaker's website, put in their email address to get that template. And now your speaker has that email address. So it's good Mm -hmm. for them too. But those are the four keys to a summit that actually works. The specific audience, specific topic, the right speakers and a good offer. That's amazing. And you guys think about how many streams of marketing one summit can provide when you throw in not just the speakers, but their audiences and then the bonuses that they share. Of course, that is so enticing. And I don't know if I missed this, but do you have any sort of tips? Maybe this is in the, um, the freebie that you're going to share with listeners, but any tips on really how to price the all access pass, because you're providing so much value and it's so hard to put a a price tag on, but at the same time, you still got to reel people in and like be realistic. Right. Yes. I love this question. So I usually say between 47 and 197. Okay. My first summit I started Uh, with the $47 offer, they could get it for $47 for like 20 minutes after they registered and the price went up. But afterwards I was like, that does, that kind of feels gross actually, because my speakers contributed like $3,000 in bonuses. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. here I'm selling it for $47. Like that didn't feel good to me. So now my price starts at like 97 right after someone registers, but Mm -hmm. price increases are also a really big part of it. So decide what you want your highest price to be. For me recently, that's been 197. And then say, okay, before the summit starts, let's have a little early bird offer available and have it for a little less. So for me, that's 147. And then one step back from that, right after they register, when they're fresh, when they're excited, let's give them an offer for 15 to 20 minutes that they can grab. And that's where I do $97 for 15 minutes. So that's another really important part of having that high conversion rate too. Yeah. And I feel like, um, that's like a really unique way to sort of gamify your experience in a way, because you're not letting everything just stay the same, that mm-hmm. whole promotional period for people to just like put on the back burner, it continuously kind of evolves. And they're like, Oh my God, I need to like be on this or I'm going to miss out. Right. It's that scarcity factor. So I can totally see why that works. Now, do you find that it's pretty straightforward for people to like figure out what's going on when you have you present that kind of pricing structure, you know, with the, the early bird and then the timers, is it, you know, pretty straightforward for them? Is there enough time for them to figure out in that promotional period, what's going on? Have you had good success with that? 
So I have, but I think it's been like over the years, I've made it more clear each time. Gotcha. So like, if you're going to do a 15 to 20 minute offer, that needs to be like screaming in their face. So yeah. like have timers on the page at the top of the page, I have get, you know, X percent off of the all access pass for the next 20 minutes in the video I have on that page. It says it again, you do need to make it clear because you will get emails. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I bet. Um, yeah. And then like, as for like the early bird offer, like the special offer before the summit starts, that's usually a little bit easier because you can send emails before that price goes up saying, Hey, just FYI, you have, you know, this many more hours to get it for this price before the price goes up. But clarity is really important uh, because customer support can be yeah. a lot when you're man- managing hundreds or thousands of people. Yeah. And that's where your, your email list, big or small comes in so handy. Cause you have that control and you can seed out or prime your people for what's to come. Whereas if you didn't have that list, you know, you're relying just on audiences that you don't own like social media. And you're just like going big with this whole launch. And then you hear crickets. It's like, hello, <laughs> you need to just prioritize where your people are. And that's something I've, I've constantly tried to get across with my audiences, wherever they are. So do you have any tips in that regard and like the best way to reach people? I imagine it's email, but have you had success in any other ways? I know when we could probably meet people in person, I'm sure word of mouth and stuff like that, you know, networking probably really helped. Do you have any other nuggets that you want to share in that regard? Yeah. So, I mean, if you have an existing audience, that's going to be huge. And like after your summit, you will thank yourself for hosting your summit because now you have that email list or it's much bigger than it was before. So that is, uh, that's always going to be the most effective. Uh, Getting your speakers to send emails is another big one. But again, Ah. email lists, lists that other people have. Um, And we could like totally have a whole nother episode on getting your speakers to promote, but basically being clear, letting them, letting them know it's an expectation up front, cheering them on rather than nagging them about it, making it easy for them to do so. That's all going to help. But your speakers will be another huge one. If you have money for paid ads, that's a great route to take. I've always actually profited from running ads to my summits, except that first one when I had no clue what I was doing. But, (laughs) But that's another thing. If you've never run ads before, I don't recommend doing it for the first time when you're trying to promote a summit, mm. like figure that out before, but that can definitely be another big driver. I think I brought in maybe 500 people for my last summit through ads. Um, and then again, profited on those ads, um, right. all access past sales and what I sold after the summit as well. Would you say that with the first summit and I'm like a, a prime Guinea pig, cause I want to host mine in the new year, but, um, you know, just giving yourself some room to experiment and like room for growth. You know, I'm, I'm a perfectionist at heart as much as I try and combat it. And like, I take someone like you, I take your learning and I want to do all the things and I want to do them right, but it's not exactly feasible. (laughs) And, you know, everyone has different skill levels. So I mean, for a first timer, what is like the utmost top priority? You know, I may not be at a place where I can figure out how to do all the the pricing and all that fancy stuff right out of the gate, but that's not going to make or break my success, is it? So, I mean, it, it might change your level of success, mm-hmm. but I think like for that first one, I do love talking about this. If you're someone who like, it's a lot to figure out this kind of thing the first time, let yourself go into the first experience knowing that. 
No, you're not going to go all in this first time. You're going to figure it out. You're going to do what you can. You're going to build relationships with speakers so you can invite them again next time or get awesome testimonials to reach out to even bigger speakers for round two. So that then next time you can go all in and just skyrocket those results. And, and I, I mean, I have seen people do that too. So like the, the bare minimum things I would want you to do for, for the first summit is you know, get your promotion scheduled, figure out who it's for, what it's about, all that good stuff. Invite the number of speakers that feel comfortable to you. Like I said, I usually recommend a minimum of 15, but if you are really okay having smaller results that first time, of course you can go smaller than 15 and increase next time once you have all those systems solid and in place. Um, like things you don't need, those live sessions I was talking about earlier, don't worry about those. Mm-hmm. Um, if if it seems like a lot to, to launch a summit and then launch something else right afterwards, cool, don't do that. Give yourself a few weeks and launch down the road and then try to launch right afterwards next time you do it when you have all these processes in place. So, you know, I think it's important like on an individual basis, sit down, look at what goes into a summit and decide what's gonna be most important for you. If it seems like a lot, remove some of those bells and whistles and let yourself be okay with that and know that you can add that in next time. Yeah. I love that. And remembering it's yours, you know, there's, there's definitely a right way to do a summit and a wrong way, but there's so much that you can do with taking those simple actions the right way, especially given some of the tips that you shared for sure. And I just love that because I know what held me up with summits is just the workload. I'm only one gal and no matter who I hire, they're not me and like a very set way of doing things. So it's very intimidating, but clearly you can have some level of control over it. You know, you don't need, like you said, the bells and whistles right out of the gate. Like if you don't even know what affiliates are, like, don't even worry about that you know, stuff, stuff like that. That's definitely takes a bit more time and investment of, you know, stuff from you. So that's really reassuring. I love hearing that, but you guys, the, the, uh, return here is so obvious, like look at Krista's success rates and then, you know, the success rates of those that she's helped. I was going to ask you too, if you have other examples or testimonials that you wanted to share of, um, just to give kind of my listeners an idea of the type of summits that are out there that you've helped people create through whether it was your course or your trainings and the results they saw, I think would really be insightful if you want to share. Yeah. So one that I want to share based on just what we just talked about with giving yourself permission to start small the first time is someone who used my program to launch her first summit. She had zero audience to start, zero email list, zero nothing. She did host a summit for a broader audience. It was basically helping either online businesses or course creators. I'm kind of, I think it was all online business owner scale. So like that would have been one where I was like, eh, let's get a little more specific, but she just wanted to do this first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did it. And she about broke even with her summit. She brought in a couple thousand dollars, um, but she grew her email list to, I want to say about a thousand people. And wow. now every one of her clients since then have come from that summit. Like I've paid her like $10,000 up to this point with different services. And I was a speaker in that summit. That's why I know about her because she reached out to me and I watched what she was doing. And I was like, this is amazing. A whole bunch of her attendees have become clients. Other speakers have become clients. So it's like the relationship can mm-hmm. pay off so many times either, even if you don't see that immediate return up front that you might've wanted to see. So that's one I always like to share. Um, I have seen people host summits for people who live in RVs full-time, like summits about how to uh-huh. do that. They make like <laughs> a 
over $80,000 doing that. Um, I have had someone host a summit for beauty business owners, uh, bring in over $30,000. And you, I think she had 5,000 people registered for that one. Wow. Uh, like everything. So, so one thing I have not helped some, a client do specifically is sell a, a physical product. That's okay. something that works. I've seen other people do it, but I have never helped someone specifically with that. So I wish I had like specific examples to give. I would love to like get my hands yeah. in a summit like that. Um, but seriously, everything in, I've seen like everything under the sun as far as selling products and services successfully. And there is just like so many levels of success you can see, whether it's that list growth, uh, the connections, the income, it's just like a never ending series of benefits you receive afterwards. Yeah. That's really reassuring again, because there's so many people wanting to do these summits now, but there's so many niches and avenues that people can go down. And that's why niching down is so important. The more specific you get, the more likely you are to reach your exact right people and not everyone. And I love that. It's, it's literally the ultimate collaboration. It is totally brilliant. And I can't believe it's taken this long for people to like catch on to this. It's like, whoa, I don't have to leave my house and I can do all this learning, get all this value. And like, clearly if you're hosting the summit, make all this money. It's so cool. And I know you mentioned something about you haven't worked with anyone to sell physical products, but are summits possible for people with products? Like a lot of my listeners are product makers. Some have physical products like candles and cutting boards and they're painters. Others, are digital products or service providers any insights there yeah like for for products specifically um a couple of ranges of the spectrum spectrum one that feels more corporate to me but there was someone that reached out to me at one point they sell like different kinds of wood and we're gonna host a, a summit around how to use like the different kinds of wood like I think it was like for construction workers specifically teaching them how to use these things it's like that's genius cool. teach them how to use your product so they can make more money and then clearly they're going to want to buy your thing uh, another cool one I've seen is one for um, helping people like throw a party for the holidays and it was a like holiday decorations and supplies and stuff so cool show them how to throw an awesome holiday party and how to decorate and now they want your thing so like those are some really really cool ones I've seen and then like as far as services go um the one I host for designers I do wordpress development for designers over there so I host a summit helping designers like simplify their businesses and make and like become more profitable and then sell my development services on the back end of that get booked out uh, whenever I host that. And then as far as courses go, my latest summit was to teach course creators how to reach their biggest course launch at, yeah, through a virtual summit, which naturally led into my program about how to host a virtual summit. So like, yes. it's like a stepping stone to whatever it is that you offer, whether it's physical product, digital product, service, membership, whatever it looks like. Yeah. So important there. And there's so many avenues, but it's so important for that reason to know exactly what your signature offers are in your business. That's probably one of the most important things alongside your audience is knowing what you even have to provide, you know, in terms of what your value ladder is and where people are coming in so that it's the path is totally clear from beginning to end. They come in from a free summit. It's your lead magnet. It's the low end of your value ladder. And then you will just work them right through it, you know, yep. and nurture, nurture, nurture. And I 
love that stuff. Like that's why I stayed a marketer. Like all this stuff started happening. And I'm like, this is so cool to see like how you can help people and like warm them up to you instead of overwhelming them with all this stuff. And that's why summits work. It's the ultimate collaboration, the ultimate lead magnet, the ultimate lead gen. It is so cool. So I I'm so glad that you were able to come on. I feel like I'm totally nerding out right now. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> um, so before we go, I know we could talk forever about this, but, um, you have a little something for my podcast listeners. Is that right? I do. I do. So, and like, it kind of ties in perfectly with what you were talking about is that, you know, generally when you're hosting a summit, you want to start out in the beginning thinking of what is this path for my people going to look like? How are they going to find me? How are they going to sign up for the summit Buy the all access pass and then buy my offer? Like, what is that going to look like? So I have a virtual summit funnel roadmap that walks you through the six steps that go from attracting them to the summit in the first place to selling your thing at the end. So it walks you through what each of those six stages looks like and leads you through mapping that out and getting things ready with fun little checklists and all that good stuff. And That's I will be amazing. sure to get you the link. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. I have the link. So you guys, I'll put that in the show notes and you can download it anytime. Definitely explore all of Krista's resources. She is a wealth of knowledge and you guys, you've got this. I know this is one of those things that feels really overwhelming, like we were talking about, but it's something like Krista said that you can totally make your own. And I would so much rather see you take massive and perfect action than just continue to wallow and wonder what it could be. That's just how business owners grow. It's how Krista's grown. It's how all of her clients have grown and it's how my students are growing too. So go out there and bloom boldly wherever you're planted. And remember, you've got this and I've got you. Did that go by too fast? No worries. You can always find me over at elizabethfleming.com. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H-F-L-E-M-I-N-G.com for more information about my programs and how to take your learning further with me. There's also a free marketing checklist that you can get your hands on right now if you'd like. So head over to elizabethfleming.com for more. And if you loved this episode, I would love it if you left a review in return. It helps so much. So tell your friends about it. If you want to share it on social, the official show hashtag is Brandon Bloom Pod. And you can also tag me everywhere. I'm at Ms. Liz Fleming. That's M-S-L-I-Z-F-L-E-M-I-N-G. Everywhere on social media. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next time.